bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. What's good, everybody? Welcome back in Bet the Game, a new episode alongside Zach Schlegel. I'm Drew Danubi, 750 The Game, 750TheGame.com. Oregon Lottery scoreboard. Woo! It's finally out, man. Let's go. We can have legal sports betting in the state of Oregon. You can sit on your couch, open your phone, your mobile device, and you can play some bets. Some things uh, won't change for some of us. Yes. That's yes. basically what we do on the weekends anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's not new to us. But uh, for the rest of you, now it's going to make you know sports betting a lot easier and, uh, well, at least a lot more accessible and uh, hopefully a lot more fun. And for our case, draft some audience back here because we are here for you. We're here to service you, the audience, with information and knowledge and uh, maybe a lean or two along the way if you want to try to make some money and uh, get, to, you know, wifey or the lady that those new shoes that she was yeah, wearing for the exactly. holiday season, right? Great call there, Judy. We're yeah. basically in the shoe business. Yeah. And my, <laughs> and my birthday's coming up, too. Don't forget that. Oh, dude, I better make some plays <laughs> so I can get Zach a nice gift. Uh, but the Oregon Lottery scoreboard, man, uh, I've, I've just got it downloaded. I'm about to dive into it uh, myself. It seems like the numbers that people are, are using this thing are pretty amazing, which yeah. shows you that there was an appetite for it and an anticipation for it. Uh, leading up, and part of it was because the lottery kind of took their sweet time putting all the pieces together. Right, and I think it was worth it. I mean, we were anticipating this thing coming out way earlier, but I'm happy that it's here now. There were over 2,000 people that signed up within just hours of it launching uh, after 5 p.m., I believe. Was that was that Tuesday? Wednesday. Right. On Wednesday. And uh, $80,000 in deposits into accounts uh by 7 a.m. on Thursday morning, $15,000 wagered, most of it on the Los Angeles Lakers, the Warriors, Trailblazers preseason games that evening. So a lot of money coming in early, and that that didn't even count the uh, Thursday night football game with the Broncos and the Chiefs. That's right, and I don't know uh, where the state of Oregon kind of sided on that game. You know, Last night's game was, was weird. We won't spend too much time on it, but um, it seemed like an obvious, you know, spot to play the Broncos. It did, yeah. But it was almost like a, it was too obvious. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. you watch him go down the field, score a first drive touchdown, and Mahomes got... If I would have told you that the Broncos scored TD on their first drive of the game, Mahomes will get hurt in the second quarter, you would have said, hey, there's a 90% chance the Broncos cover three and maybe went outright. Absolutely. There's and a 2% chance that yeah. they lose by 24 points. <laughs> no way. Matt Moore comes in, shout out Oregon State Beavers. With a, with a little dime there to uh, to Hill. I mean, what what touch on that ball? That was beautiful. And it's a veteran move. A veteran yeah. move. You're talking about a guy that took the Dolphins to the playoffs once. Yeah, wow. And, uh, you know, lost in Pittsburgh, but that's beside the point. Yep. <laughs> but we'll continue to talk about the Oregon Lottery Scoreboard app, um, not only how it's functioning, but also what kind of lines it provides for the NFL and the NBA in particular because no college sports betting is uh, provided yet on that, as is being provided at Chinook Winds, maybe eventually Spirit Mountain. Uh, and, of course, I know, Zach, you do a lot of college betting, so um, you know we'll continue to use the lines that we use from Bovada or Vegas Sports Insider or stuff like that along the way. But let's get after it. A lot of great games on the college football slate, and including the big rivalry, you're an Oregon Duck. Let's go. Oregon-Washington, one of the biggest rivalries in college football. This is going to be the 112th meeting all-time and it's going to go down in Seattle Saturday afternoon. What does Ducks Huskies mean to you as an Oregon ally? Oh, man. It means everything. It means the world. It's the biggest rivalry for the Oregon Ducks. When I was in college in Eugene between 2010 and 2014, that was the game, man. I mean, I know we were so good during that Chip Kelly era, Marcus Mariota. We were a little spoiled uh, as as Duck fans, I'll be honest. Most games, we'd go into it thinking, man, if we're not up by... 30 points at halftime were disappointed <laughs> and especially against the Huskies we had a over a decade of dominance against the Huskies I believe it was 10 or 11 in a row before we finally lost one 
Uh, I think the first loss we had after that huge streak was 2016. Yeah, no, it was 12, 12 straight wins yeah, for Oregon. And then, uh, you know, Washington rolled in mm-hmm. um, in uh, October of 2016 and yeah. laid a beat down 70-21. Oh, Fun fact, that was the very first bet that I placed in my betting career was laying 10 and a half with Washington. Oh, good, smart move. Eugene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, <laughs> oh, I think I, I could do this, you know. We we were covering Oregon wall to wall here at the station and could yeah. see the cracks in the defense. Oh man, yeah, be so widespread. And uh, Justin Herbert's freshman year just didn't look like a good spot. And and there's the point with Jake Browning, uh, and uh, the rest was history. So they won a couple right there. But then last year's overtime win for the Ducks yep. put things back in the right direction for Oregon. Now in this game, the line opened Oregon laying three and a half, quickly moved to three people mm-hmm. taking that hook with Washington at home in a rivalry game, currently sitting at Oregon minus three, a total of 48 and a half or 49, depending on where you shop. It's a really fascinating matchup because you look at both teams' offenses and they've got starting quarterbacks that have some notoriety. Of course, Justin Herbert he has the uh, the amount of success that he's had at Oregon on the national stage. Jacob Eason hasn't gotten the same exposure on national television as Herbert has, but he's been in the narratives, right? Going to Georgia and then transferring, coming to Washington. He's a Lake Stevens native. He's very familiar with the Washington-Oregon rivalry, although Washington has only won in this rivalry five times in Jacob Eason's lifetime. <laughs> and now he's got mm-hmm. a chance to put his home UW you know, get one back on the Ducks as their starting quarterback. But both Herbert and Easton have showed some limitations, whether it's their, you know, physical skill set or their offensive coordinators, or in Easton's case, his receivers not catching the football, something Herbert's well familiar with as well. It's kind of interesting to compare those two signal callers going into this one. Oh, yeah, and I don't blame people coming in and buying that hook with Washington. It is a huge rivalry game. We know Oregon has struggled on the road in past years. We know that their offense usually doesn't click as well. Uh, but this is a different this is a different Oregon team, Judah, and I'm really excited for the Ducks. I'm excited for what I've seen so far, and I'm mostly excited about their defense. We mentioned 2016 when Oregon got absolutely slaughtered by Washington, got 70 points put up on them. That defense, I believe, was third to last or at least bottom five in all of college football. Just absolutely atrocious. Swiss cheese defense is the way I like to call it. (laughs) But this defense in 2019, Judah, they're one of the best defenses in the country. Top five. In fact, Oregon has allowed two touchdowns in opponents' 14 red zone trips. That's 14.3%. That's the best in the nation. Their defense has held nearly 30% of opponent rushes to zero or negative yards. Uh, and the longest pass play that U of O has given up is 38 yards in that Auburn game. So they're not allowing a lot of big splash plays through the air. We know Eason and that Washington offense is going to look to do something like that and get it going. But this Oregon defense has been impressive. They haven't allowed more than 10 points since that opening game against Auburn. And no wonder the total has dropped from 56 uh, to 48 now, Judah. I mean, that's crazy. And I, now I'm got now I got to think is is the value lost? Do I go over? But I still think I'm leaning under on this game. Uh, I think Washington's defense is very suspect, especially their rush defense. And I think Oregon needs to come into this game and attack and attack the ground game first. They need to get the rushing game going, open up the play action for Herbert, and then they can get something going through the air after that. Yeah, Washington's rush defense. To your point. 80th in the country in yards per rush allowed, four and a half yards allowed per rushing attempt. Oregon is averaging 4.6 yards per rush offensively, 48th in the country, so a top 50 rushing offense. But it's been Oregon's rushing game that's been suspect this year and has been getting a lot of attention. Strange, given the experience and talent on their offensive line. Can Oregon run the football in this game against UW? It should dictate a lot about how much success Oregon will have. Well, and will Marcus Arroyo come in with a great game plan? Will it be the best game plan offensively we've seen this year? He's going to need to do something because we know Chris Peterson is going to have a game plan for Oregon. He's seen these guys way too many times. He's a great coach. He's arguably the best coach in the conference. So Washington is going to be up for this game. It's their homecoming. They're three-and-a-half-point dogs. They remember what happened last year in Eugene, and they're coming for revenge. I don't like to lean too much on revenge factors in college football as much, too much variance in college football. But 
I still like my Ducks. I, I like them to win here. And my final score prediction for this game, Judah, I'm looking at something around 31 to 17. Wow. I'm definitely going Oregon minus three. I'm leaning on the under there, although that total I would have loved to get in the 50s or, or higher. Uh, and Oregon's won five of the last six in Seattle. So let's keep that rolling. Go Ducks. And again, 31-17 is my final. And the last time they played in Seattle and lost, Braxton Burmeister was the quarterback. Yeah. 38-3 game. Yeah. But then you remember 2015, Vernon Adams going in there mm-hmm. and rip it out a win. Yeah, that's certainly something special. 31-17. So or, Zach likes uh, Oregon. You know, I, I'll be particularly interested to see if Washington can stretch the field on this just so, so stingy Oregon pass defense. Yeah. I'm with you, though. I like Oregon to win the game. Uh, I'm not sure if I can lay the three and make a play on it, but if I had to do anything, that's what I would do in this game as well and probably play Washington's total under. <laughs> you, you know what's you know what's interesting here, Judah? Last point is that Washington, looking at their first quarter production, they've outscored opponents 90-6 to six in the first quarter. So if, if the Ducks can come out of that first quarter up a touchdown or so and really get the momentum going early, establish that run game, that's going to really look good for them. If Washington has the lead going into the second quarter, we may be in for a tight one. Moving on, Oregon State going to Cal. It's Saturday at 11.30 on Pac-12 Network. Beavers got just punched in the face by Utah last week, 52-7. to Unfortunately for you, Zach, you played the over on 59. Mm, and uh, yep. you, one team scores 52 of those <laughs> and it still doesn't win. And that's that's the way I thought the game would be played out. Like exactly the way I thought Utah would win big. Utah would put up a bunch of points, but Oregon State wouldn't be able to put any of their own. Unfortunately, Utah put up too many points, 52 to be exact. And <laughs> and Oregon State had to put in that last touchdown. I think that was in the final minutes of the game. Just a killer. And now they, uh, Oregon State going on the road to face Cal, led by Devon Modster. Uh, the line opened at about Cal 9.5. And, and since basically up everywhere at 11 now. It just went through 10, 10.5 up to 11 with a total of 51.5. Uh, that's been bet down mm-hmm. from its initial opening total of 54. Can the Beavers bounce back and can their offense get back to what they need to be against a very, very good Cal defense on the road? It's going to be a tough task. Yeah, Cal's coming off a bye. And what, what's happened to Jamar Jefferson here? I mean, he's been dealing with an ankle injury. I was just looking at his stats and we remember last year, this guy, this guy was leading the Pac-12 and rushing as a freshman, just absolutely killing it. Now he has barely not even 300 yards rushing. So I'm hoping he can eventually be healthy and get back into it. I don't know if he's going to be playing this weekend. Uh, it's questionable. Uh, but with that being said, Judah, Cal is 0-3 against the spread as a favorite and 3-0 and as a dog this year. They're a favorite in this one. And I'm I'm going Oregon State Beavers, baby, plus 11. Monster, I don't trust him. He's completing 47% of his passes, just one touchdown, three interceptions. Cal dealing with a number of injuries on the offensive side of the ball, especially their offensive line. So I like the Beavers. The Beavers this year, again, I've said it before, they've lost two games by just three points. Uh, Had they won those games, we could be telling a totally different story about this Beavers team this year. I love getting double-digit points here with Oregon State. I'm going to take the 11 there. That's my best bet of the game. Also going to lean under once again. Cal's defense is really tough. I don't expect or I don't trust Oregon State's offense to put up a lot of points, but I do expect them to cover 11. Oregon State plus the 11 and under 51 and a half the play. Ka-ching. How do you like that? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that. Another good Pac-12 game. Arizona State-Utah. And the Sun Devils, I just keep expecting them to have that down game. True freshman quarterback, I faded them at Cal a couple weeks ago, even on the money line, got major burned there. You know, we faded them at Michigan State earlier. We all remember how that went out. Jaden Daniels continues to impress, not necessarily by his just, you know, dynamic play, but he's been taking care of the ball pretty well for a true freshman. You don't expect that. Really high on his potential moving forward. High on the toughness of Arizona State. But now, is this a spot where it's just not going to be good for them? Utah, they came off that bye. They killed Oregon State. They've got their groove back. It seems like with Zach Moss healthy, Huntley healthy, their offense rolling, and they look pretty nasty on defense right now. 
And uh, I believe that number has gotten all the way up to 14 for Utah at home against Arizona State this weekend. Yeah, Utah's been rolling. You mentioned it. Zach Moss, Tyler Huntley, they're healthy. They're playing well. Moss averaging 7.6 yards per carry on 68 attempts. That's great. Tyler Huntley completing 75% of his passes this year, and he's yet to throw an interception. So he's been very efficient. Wow. Uh, completion completion percentage, rather, has been above 70% in every game this season so far for Huntley. So this is a very, very efficient offense. They like to run the football downhill. They like to play great defense. We know that that's what Utah is all about. They're at home. It's in Salt Lake. It's one of the toughest places to play in all of college football. Jaden Daniels, on the road this year, at Michigan State, they pulled off the victory outright as underdogs. At Cal, same thing, pulled off the outright upset as underdogs. He's In both of those games, though, he's thrown for under 200 yards, while in his home games, he's been throwing for over 300 yards. So in both road games, it seems like ASU has had a different game script to their offense they're, they're looking to run the football and lean on that. They're looking to lean on their defense. And again, they're going to have to lean on a, a low-scoring game in this one to cover. If ASU is going to cover, they're going to have to contain Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. I just can't I can't go against ASU, Judah. How many times do I have to say it? <laughs> Twice this year I've been burned by them. So in theory, I guess I just have to take ASU plus 13. But I really like the under in this game. Utah unders have seemed to be just money this year. And ASU on the road, like I said, Daniels isn't going to put up crazy numbers through the air. I think they're going to lean heavily on the run game. A lot of ball control on this one, maybe some turnovers. So we've seen the total go from 50.5 all the way down as low as 45, jump back up to 46.5 currently via Bovada. So I'm looking to take under 46, or under, yeah, under 46.5 in this one right now. ASU plus 13, because you can never doubt ASU as a dog on the road. So it sounds like you want to play the under. Play the under. Yeah, we got it all. Um, over to the SEC, we got three top 25 games we want to talk about, including South Carolina hosting Florida. Kind of interesting spot for both teams. Florida going into Death Valley, where apparently their dreams go to die. According to a coach, O. yeah, his, uh, amazing voice. LSU wins that game last week. Doesn't cover Florida and able to cover in that one um, the uh, two touchdown spread. Now they are going on the road again against the South Carolina team with that is coming off a major upset outright between the hedges in Athens over Georgia in overtime twenty to seventeen. And now Will Muschamp's got his Gamecocks coming back home. We know quarterback uh, uh, Ryan Holinsky has been banged up a little bit, but I think he's going to play in this game. We'll see. And now Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask have to go in and try to get a, a road win. But right now, this number opened Florida six and a half. It's since gone down to five and is really staying there. It's staying right there. And the total at 47 after opening at 51 and a half. So it looks like people coming in on South Carolina and the under this week. Yeah, classic SEC total there in the 40s. What a game by South Carolina, the Cox, man. I mean, just pulling it off. That was that was freaking cock. That was some weird stuff too. Because Helinski yeah. number three, they win by three. It almost went to three overtimes. Goo goo gaga. There was so many threes. It was, it was kind of strange. But I'm I'm happy uh, to hear that Muschamp has I guess informed everyone that Helinski is good to go for Saturday. Hopefully, he's not going to be you know limited while he's out there limping around or whatnot. But I expect South Carolina to continue to ride this momentum and play up for this game. When I look at Florida and the tight loss that they had, it's 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 draining, man, when you lose a game like that. When you when you've put so much into it and you have a chance right there to really possibly get into the top 5, right? Top 6, top 5 in the nation, have a really big statement win kind of solidify yourself in the SEC as a, as a contender for the SEC championship, probably against Bama eventually, right? Uh, that would have been an absolutely huge win for them. The fact that they lost, we'll see. This, this could be one of those situations where it's a slump or a letdown situation after a huge game and a grueling loss to the Tigers, emotionally, physically drained, like I mentioned. And I think South Carolina looks at this game as, 
hey, man, we have a serious chance to claim the top spot in the East with a win. The East is kind of up in the air right now. I mean, look at Missouri. I, I know they have the the postseason ban, right? Correct? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, But currently right now, Missouri is actually the top team in the East, ironically. Wow. So I think, I've said this to you before, I think Florida has, I think they peaked in that Auburn game. I think they played up for LSU, but I don't believe Florida is an elite team. Although I will say, I do really like this guy, Kyle Trask. He, he, he kind of reminds me of a Tim Tebow-esque player. And the two-quarterback system that they're working with right now between him and Emory Jones, I mean, it's working. Dan Mullen knows what he's doing. They throw Emory Jones in there, the more athletic guy, the runner, right? Have him do some do some crazy stuff on the ground. Uh, while Kyle Trask, I mean, he can run some people over too. But he seems just like a leader. You know, he's a guy that you, he gets there, out there on the field and players look up to him and they feel confident that this guy's going to lead them down the field and score touchdowns. Florida's also leading the nation in interceptions on defense, right? DBU. 12 <laughs> interceptions on the season that's tied with Oregon. So this defense we know is great. But, you know, looking at this game, it's tough. But I'm, I'm leaning South Carolina, man. I like, I, like the way, I like the way that Florida moved the ball against LSU. I mean, Trask threw for 300 yards, 450 yards of total offense, 9 of 17 on third down. But the Florida defense actually got gashed in the run game. Uh, 9.1 yards per carry they allowed against LSU. So I think South Carolina, who ran for 142 on Georgia, we know how tough Georgia's defense is, I think they lean on that ground game. I think they try to control the line of scrimmage, control the clock here. They're at home. They're going to have the crowd behind them. Helinski's back, emotional lift for them. And in order to help Helinski, they're going to get that ground game going. It's going to be a low-scoring game. South Carolina is going to cover five and a half, and the total is going to go under. There it is. Boom. Carolina and the under. <laughs> Oklahoma State, Baylor. Fun Big 12 matchup here. The line opened. Oklahoma State minus two and a half. Since then, money coming in on the Cowboys. It's at three and a half for the Cowboys in most places, maybe four, depending on where you shop. Total opened at 65 and has since gone upwards towards 67 and a half or 68 in other places as well. What do you make of the Cowboys and the Baylor Bears? I know we both uh, love Matt Rule and what he brings to the table, but Mike Gundy, you know, that's an Oklahoma State team that has a lot of offensive talent for themselves. Baylor, I mean, look out. Wow, undefeated? I mean... Are they? Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They they just they just beat Texas Tech right in in overtime. I'm getting that right. Yeah. So, holy cow! They're four. They are. Uh, yeah, they're three and zero in conference at least. Yeah. And four and zero overall. Right. 18th in the country. Yeah. So Baylor, look out! The Baylor Bears. Matt Rule. Now they're six and zero overall. I'm six and zero. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Four and zero at home. I was like, six-0. what? They had three bye weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, Oklahoma State is coming off of a bye week. Yeah. And the funny thing is, both of these teams, their last opponent was Texas Tech. So it's very easy to compare and contrast how these teams did against Texas Tech and then to figure out, okay, what's going to happen in this game? Uh, this is probably the best situation for a better because it's like, okay, both these teams played a common opponent, literally their last game. What happened in both of those games is that Baylor and Oklahoma State both put up over 500 yards of total offense on Texas Tech, but they also allowed over 500 yards of total offense. So... The f- when I f- first look at this game, I just think over, 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 over. <laughs> I see the total at 65 where it opened. Now it's 68 and a half. People seem to agree with me on this one. So my best bet in this game is going to be over. In fact, uh, I'm looking for a trend here. Oh, here it is. Yes, since 2010, the over is 34 and 12, 74% when Oklahoma State is a home favorite. Another another interesting trend here. Oklahoma State 29 and 19 against the spread as a home favorite, covering the number. But I'm gonna ignore that, Judah. You know why? Because I saw an interesting tweet, and since 2013, there's been four instances where a six and O team or better was a dog against a non-ranked team. The only one of those teams to win was Temple in 2015, coached by none other than Matt Rule. No way. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Baylor Bears plus four. It's it's tough because in the last couple of weeks, I've seen a few undefeated teams 
lose not only against the spread but outright because there always comes a time where as an undefeated team you know every single week that they continue to win those teams that are facing them are like oh man this is a great chance to knock off an undefeated team especially if it's a team that's kind of a 500 level team they're not really going anywhere but they see this as an opportunity to be a spoiler so that does scare me a little bit however I think my best bet overall in this game, regardless of the spread, is going to be over 68.5. Both these offenses can put up numbers. Like I said, 500 yards of total offense uh, in both of their last games, and their defense allowed over 500 yards. So I just see this as a shootout. And my theory is usually in a shootout, take the points. Go over Baylor plus four. Yes, sir. Final top 25 game we want to talk about is a good one. Penn State, Michigan. Uh, I believe this is in Happy Valley and uh, a big opportunity for Michigan to maybe silence some uh, some doubters. Will they be able to do it? That's another question. Penn mm. State's defense has been doing really well. We saw them go into Iowa and shut down the uh, Hawkeye offense led by Nate Stanley. Hawkeye offense has got some problems in and yeah. of itself. Yeah. This will be a 430 kick on ABC. 16th ranked Wolverines, 7th ranked Penn State. And uh, right now, Penn State is almost sniffing double-digit yeah. territory. This line opened Penn State minus eight. It's gotten up to nine in favor of the Nittanys. Total opened at 49. Since then, money on the under, 47 or 46 and a half. I, I agree with where the money is coming in on this one. I agree with Penn State. I agree on the under. If you're thinking about taking Michigan State as a juicy underdog here, oh, let's just grab the money line, let's cash out this weekend. Well, I suggest you you rethink that because Jim Harbaugh has never won as an underdog as Michigan's head coach. Never, not even once. And in fact, there's 7-12 against the spread since 2010 as an underdog. So they're not covering that well as an underdog. He's never won outright as an underdog. Looking at Penn State here, Penn State since 2010 is 30-22. That's 58%. That's winning against the spread as a home favorite. The last three matchups between these teams has been a blowout in favor of the home team. Last year, Michigan winning 42-7. Absolute blowout. That was surprising. I remember that game, and I remember wanting to take Penn State and being very surprised that Michigan blew them out like that. I think... Penn State gets revenge here. I think they have a big win. Michigan, Michigan, it's just so sad. Every year they have such a great defense, and they spoil it because they're so inept on offense. This was it was supposed to change this year. It you was. Know, they brought in a new you know offensive analyst and play caller, Man. and it's been a whole lot of nothing. Makes me really question if Shea Patterson is any good, Man. and he can't take care of the football. He can't. Dylan McCaffrey's probably better. Let's I get McCaffrey know. in. Let's I go. I feel like, you know, you got you to gotta cut him loose. But yeah. I'm with you. It's been very disappointing for Michigan offensively. Yeah, Penn State averaging 42 points a game, and their defense is allowing 8.2 points per game. That's huge. I mean, that's a, that's a team that is a contender for the college football playoff. Unfortunately, they have to run into Ohio State eventually, and, and that's going to be a tough one, or Wisconsin or whomever. In the Big Ten... In my opinion, the Big Ten may be the best conference in college football this year. They look really, really tough. They are up there. They have three teams who are legitimate contenders for the college football playoff. So with that all said, I like Penn State. They have the better defense. They have the much better offense. They're the more confident team, and they actually have an identity, and they're at home. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to lay the points with Penn State. Like I said, last three matchups between these teams blowout in favor of the home team and I'm also leaning under 47 here this also is a game where I'm kind of looking at that first half under although like I told you before off the air I love first half unders but when I really do the digging I actually haven't been you know winning a ton on the first half under so I'm going to be a little hesitant on that but I like the 23 and a half number especially in a big 10 game with two great defenses like this Penn State laying the nine and of course with 47 play the under play it how uh you know real quickly how often i mean because it seems a little counterintuitive to lay a lot of points with a favorite and play the under what kind of goes through your mind process when you when you find conviction on both of those fronts oh man yeah no that's that's a really good question it's it's similar to what i was thinking with that utah oregon state game right i just 
usually I like to do it when it's a home team that's favored and when the team that's at home has a great defense and the other team that they're playing has a very suspect offense. And in this case, Michigan, it's just I look at Michigan and I really just don't expect Michigan to put up more than a couple touchdowns in this game. I just don't, you know. And I think Penn State's offense is good enough to put up four or five touchdowns, even against uh, a Michigan defense. But it's more or less because Penn State is at home here. If it was in the big house, who knows? It might be a little bit of a different story. But, yeah, it does seem kind of counterintuitive when you lay a a semi-big number and take the under. But in this case, Penn State is just the overall better team, much better offense, top five defense, and I think they get it done. And I think it's a final score somewhere around 30 to 10, something like that. Those are the college leans and picks from Zach Schlegel going into another week of college football. Ready to move on to the NFL? I'm ready to move on to the NFL. Or we could talk a little college football futures really quick. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we were going to mention this. Yeah, Yeah, because, uh, well, it's getting to that point where you have a pretty decent sample size on everybody. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you, uh, you might be able to get your best value on certain teams right now. Yeah. Moving forward for the rest of the season, college football playoff rankings don't come out until November, mm-hmm. which is a little later this year than they have been historically in their brief history. But when we talk futures, college football, possible playoff odds, yeah, New Year's Six odds, right. conference title odds, mm-hmm. you know, where do you go with that? What have you seen? Yeah, so well, looking on looking on the book that I use, there's no college football playoff odds, but they have the national championship odds here. And so, I guess what I want to talk about really quick is my best value plays in yes. terms of national championship futures. So, Alabama and Clemson, we know are the clear-cut top two teams in the country. They have the best odds to win the national championship. Well, they're not the clear-cut two best teams, but uh, by perception and based on recent history, they are Clemson plus two ten, Alabama plus two forty. Uh, in layman's terms, lay a hundred bucks on Clemson, you're going to profit two hundred and ten dollars there, two hundred forty dollars for Alabama. So yeah, those are the two teams that are most likely to win the national title based on perception, based on what we've seen. But is it the best value? Here's a couple teams where I think there's better value based on the number and based on what we've seen so far. LSU and Ohio State, both around plus 500, plus 550. Throw 100 down, win 500, throw 200, win a rack. That sounds pretty good to me, right? I love winning a rack. I love winning a rack. I love saying rack. Anytime you could say rack, you got to. <laughs> I mean, really, when it's when we say rack, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, I love that sound. Money, money, money. <laughs> So LSU, Joe Burrow is now number two, if not maybe, he's right behind two in the Heisman race. This guy has been unbelievable. This LSU offense has been unbelievable. This team is extremely impressive. I think they're the most impressive team in college football, uh, them in Ohio State so far this year. So those two I really like at 5-1 to one odds or more there. I think that's really good value for two undefeated teams and an LSU team that I believe can knock off Alabama. And I, and I believe that Clemson is not to the level that they were last year. That defensive line isn't as good as it was last year. And Trevor Lawrence, he's thrown six interceptions. He's all of the sudden, you know, like 50 to one to win the Heisman. And he started out as the front runner. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy to me. A couple other great value plays. Re- I think. Real quick. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's play a quick would you rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Ohio State or LSU. And it's Ooh. a fun connection because Burrow was the Ohio State transfer. And yeah. what I would pay to have that be a, a oh, semifinal man. or national title. But, yeah. you know, Fields has been so good. Burrow has been so good. Ohio State's defense is so nasty. LSU's offense is so dynamic. If you had to pick one of those two values for a national title's future, who would you rather? I think I would go LSU. I think I like Ed Orgeron. I like him as a coach. Ohio State now, you know, they 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 lost Urban Meyer, and I think that will play in a, that will come into play later in the season. Here, I think it will. I love what Ohio State's been doing, but LSU, I, I just it's just more impressive to me. Just yeah. more impressive overall, more impressive. It's really tight though. Both of these teams, I, I like you said, I would love to see them mm-hmm. in the semifinal. But I love what LSU has done so far. They have really uh, a couple key victories, right? Texas 
and over Florida. So they they have the best two wins in all of college football so far, while Ohio State really hasn't played uh, those major conference teams yet. Wisconsin is next week. Yeah. Right? That's going to be Wisconsin, a big one. They've got Penn State. They've got Michigan. That's all that, on the schedule. So that's all, all their work up. is still in front of them. Exactly. Yeah, all the work is still in front of them. Exactly. So we don't really know yet what we're going to get from Ohio State until we see that. Yeah, it's looked impressive, but LSU, as of right now, better wins, more impressive on film, on paper. Joe Burrow, second in the Heisman race. So I would go LSU in terms of those two. Uh, a couple others that I like. Oklahoma undefeated Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is third in the Heisman Trophy race right now, 3-1 to one odds. Oklahoma's won the Heisman last two years in a row. Maybe they're going to make it three this year. I love what Oklahoma's doing, and I think that Oklahoma at 8-1 to one odds also offers some great value. Next up here, Georgia, 15-1 to one odds. Now, this is crazy, and this may be, I think Georgia overall, now that I think about it, may be the best value of any national championship bet, and here's why. At 15-1 to 1 odds, they just got upset by South Carolina. I don't know what they were before, but looking at their upcoming schedule, they got Kentucky, but then after that, it's three home games, I think. They got Florida after that, number nine, and then Missouri after that, number 22. Coming off of that loss to South Carolina, this is the best value you're going to get on the dogs because they still have a chance to finish the season with one loss and make the SEC title game in which they would be just one win away against Alabama or LSU, whoever it is in that game, to make the college football playoff. And once you're in, there's always a shot, clearly. So I think Georgia at 15-1 to across the board is the best value play right now because if you wait a couple weeks, that 15-1 to odds is going to go to 10-1 to odds, 8-1 to odds, and then once they get to the SEC championship game, which I believe they will get to the SEC championship game, and at that point, you've lost all that value. So I think if you're going to fire on the Bulldogs, you fire right now, you buy low, and Georgia, 15-1 to odds, best value. Well, you're not going to... If you thought that Georgia was a national title contender before the season, which many did, mm-hmm. then you have to kind of play them right now. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned, you won't get any lower than 15-1 to mm-hmm. with a one-loss Georgia team. No, not at all. It's like, only going to get uh, you know lesser odds from here. So, mm. and, if you, and if you want to get crazy, Judah, you got you got three teams at 100-1 to odds right here. You got Florida, Oregon, and Utah. So... You know, Florida, like I said, I don't buy into Florida. I, I, I think that they peaked against Auburn. They got South Carolina. Then they got the Georgia game coming up in Vanderbilt. Let's say they do win all those and they, they knock off Georgia. Well, then Florida is in the driver's seat. A one-loss Florida team knocking off Georgia is going to go to the SEC championship game. And then if miraculously they somehow win that, then yeah, they're in. And 100 to 1 odds, if you have that ticket, you're feeling really good. Lastly, Oregon, my Ducks, 100 to 1 odds. A Pac-12 champion winning out, uh, one lost Pac-12 championship that is, champion that is, well, they're going to be in the conversation at least. A lot of things have to happen ahead of them, but 100 to 1 odds, eh, screw it, put a 10 bucks on, win a rack. There you go. <laughs> I'm always there for that. Yeah. All right. Ready to rock the NFL. Let's do it. Ooh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, I imagine like snow falling right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how it uh, ushers into another week of the NFL. I'm on fire. I was unbeaten last week. <laughs> Everything was perfect. Uh, in case uh, anyone happened to actually listen to the pod last week, I, of course, speak in jest. Over! Mm-hmm. Picking the Titans. Ouch. Miami outright. Ouch. Mm. Rams lane three. Mm. Ouchie mama. Tough. And and I didn't do much better, Jude. I went one and two. We knew that this week would come. You know, you can't be perfect every time. Yeah. I mean, we can, but, you know, someday we, <laughs> we gotta, choose not we to. to be modest. We choose not to. to try and almost show our mortality. <laughs> the only one I got was uh, Arizona Cardinals and Atlanta Falcons over. That was just a clear cut over right there. My first half under with the Jets and the and the... Cowboys, that didn't hit. Jets won outright, though, and I love that. I played a Moneyline parlay last week on the side of Chargers-Cowboys as well. Oh, man. <laughs> just Brutal. Got, just freaking got rocked. It was just a rough weekend for NFL. Yeah, sports folks were just like, hey, just to remind you, you suck. <laughs> Here's this for you. That being said, now we are 17-13 and 13 combined Yeah. with our best bets this year. Not bad at all. That's really not that bad. That's good. 
That's actually good. Like thumbs up. Yeah. Not du- maybe not double thumbs up, but thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. up. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. As it's uh, awesome. So you look at the lines this week, and uh, you know how do you bounce back? You know you you mm-hmm. can't be fearful. You know, you can't have uh, that uh, recency bias yeah. cloud your judgment here. You, as a better, you got to cut it loose, man. You got to yeah. be confident. You got to put in the work, put yeah. in the process, process, but then be confident in your place and cut it loose again, right? Yeah. That's how you bounce back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Judah, here's here's what we're going to do here. I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Vikings right now. I I loved what I saw from Kirk Cousins, right? Everyone was, everyone was talking down on this guy, right? Oh, just... Let's bring in someone else. Let's let's get rid of Diggs. You know, the Vikings are, you know, might as well just, I don't know, tank for Tua. I mean, just ridiculous, right? And the Vikings huh. are still That'd in it. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> you see Tua, Diggs, Thielen, Cook, that's, a, that's slick. That would be pretty cool. Too much money for Cousins, though, to um to go anywhere else. Exactly, yeah, too much money. And Cousins, it seems like, you know, when when he's down and people are people are really talking bad about him, he, he steps up. And he just goes off last week. And I think he might have been the best fantasy producer in all of the NFL as a quarterback last week. Kyler Murray also did really well. And I don't know if you're going to bring up that game. But back to the Vikings. Minus two at Detroit. Detroit Monday Night Football against the Packers. Wow, the refs absolutely screwed him. That was ridiculous, Judah. Yeah, that was tough. Those two hands to the face calls. First one was absolutely ridiculous. The second one, you know, maybe I could see what you were seeing. It looked like the guy's head was being pushed back, but it was still under his face mask. So regardless, Detroit is on a short week here, and that's the point. Detroit is on a short week. They're at home, but the Vikings have a great defense. Cousins looks like he's getting it together. Diggs went for three touchdowns last week. I like the Vikings minus two. Maybe it looks trappy because, oh, the Vikings should be much better than that and they should be favored by more. But I'm not going to overthink it here, Judah, and I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings minus two. Wow. All right, there you go. Minnesota Vikings minus two in Detroit. Would probably uh, be helpful to uh, have the uh, computer on for the drops. (laughs) Uh, My first one, I'm going to go with uh, Chucky. Ooh, Chucky Cheese. Those Raiders going into... Lamb nasty, Lambo field. Chuck E. Cheese. Wow, that, that actually worked out perfect. Hey, that's a high five. Hey, right there. Let's, let's go. go. That was a good one. Oakland plus five at Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, Oakland, man, shoot. They've been actually pretty dang good this year. Yeah. Not uh, bad. I faded them in London against the Bears. Bit me in the ass. Um, faded them a couple times. Week one, Denver. Bit mm-hmm. me in the ass there, too. Uh, Green Bay, I think, you know, they obviously have Rodgers and. They're a little bit banged up, though, right now uh, with Williams out and at the receiver position a little questionable. Raiders defensively has uh, been playing a lot better. Waller's a baller. Baller the Waller. Waller tight end. baller. I think he uh, gets into the paint this week as well. Raiders coming off a bye. They should be ready to rock. They spent a lot of time away from home with a couple road games and a London game and now another road game. But um, honestly, I just think that they're a tough team, and I think five's just a little too much. And I think it opens seven and spins bet down. I wouldn't be surprised if Oakland wins this game outright, but I won't take them, of course, on the money line right here. I will go ahead and take uh, them to cover the plus five, though. Okay. That's my first best bet. There must be something there There must be something going on, though, Judah, because I'm looking at it. It looks like they're off the board right now, so I'm not sure what's happening. Uh-oh. But we will stay tuned to that one, and we'll figure out what's up. But Oakland plus five and a half. So, my second best bet here, Judah, it's it's tough, but I told you before that I'm doing better taking favorites. So I'm going to continue to rely on that theory. I already took the Vikings minus two. The next one I'm looking at here, man, I'm looking at either the Titans or the Seattle Seahawks at home. Before I, before I get to this, Judah, what are you feeling about the Titans right now? No Marcus Mariota. But you seem like you usually have a good feel for them. Well, each I week. did not last week. Yeah, last <laughs> week I played them plus two, um, and I may have thrown a shekel or two on the money line. Mm-hmm. They scored exactly zero points. Mm-hmm. So I did, you know, I felt good about them in Atlanta a few weeks ago. They were four point dogs. They won outright, um, and that made me feel pretty good about them. Last week was more of a sense of I played them because. I thought I had a great feel about him because I had him right once before. It was just too much recency bias rather than looking at the actual spot. Mm -hmm. This week, though, I'm looking at the actual spot, and I like him. (laughs) I like him again. I think Tannehill, even though I obviously root for Mariota, I think Tannehill's an upgrade from Mariota in this 
particular instance. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple red zone drives when he came in late in the game last week, did turn the ball over. I think Tennessee's defense, though, is a good defense. They're playing at home. They play really well defensively at home. Chargers offense has done nothing to really impress me right now. Uh, I think this is a tough spot for the Chargers. Um, not obviously an ideal spot for the Titans with the quarterback change, but I lean pretty pretty firmly in Tennessee's favor here as a, just yeah. a short home favorite. Is that your best bet? Is that one of yours? It could be, but I'm, uh, you're, you, you get to uh, tee off first. Well, if we both agree on it, I think that might be a ultra best bet. But are we comfortable making an ultra best bet on Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> I know, I <laughs> At know. At the end of the day, you're back at a quarterback yeah. that's got a sketchy past Although, on the field. Yeah, although I'm sad about Marcus Mariota getting benched, I do agree with you. I think it is an upgrade for their offense. I think in the passing game, it's definitely an upgrade. I don't know. Marcus Mariota, I love the guy, but it just hasn't. We haven't seen explosive passing offense from him. It just yeah. We haven't just seen those big plays. They don't really have a really big play receiver, that type of guy that's going to just break one every game. So, but I do like the Titans. I, I like the Titans minus two. I guess I'll go with it. I'm going to go with the Titans. The Chargers were just so not impressive against the Steelers' third string quarterback at home. And I know the Chargers don't have a home field uh, stadium at all, actually. They don't even have a home. So the Chargers are just a remote team. <laughs> but <laughs> they, uh, every single game, it's Meaning pretty much. You click away from them on the TV remote, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's pretty much a home game for the other team. So whatever team they're playing, their fans make sure to pack out the stadium, and <laughs> the like 10 Charger fans there are just, you know, non existent. So I'm going to take the Titans minus two here. I agree. It seems like the Titans are a team that. They're down one week, and then they're just up the next week, and they surprise you. And then they're down, and they're just a roller coaster. So let's go Tannehill. Let's go Titans minus two. I'll play a total for my second one, and it's kind of a hold-your-nose total, but I'll go uh, to Atlanta and go over Rams-Falcons. You know, I'd like to play Atlanta plus the three, but I just don't know. But it kind of feels like a similar dynamic to Atlanta's last two games that – Went way over in Houston and way over in Arizona. Now they come home. It's obviously indoors. There's the urgency factor with both of these teams, <laughs> yeah. to be quite honest. Uh, you've got the a lot of volatility on defense with Tlaib going to IR, Peters being traded, Ramsey coming in. Normally, I wouldn't think that translates into like everybody being on the same page right away. Um, and Atlanta, you know, say what you will about them, but they still put up a lot of points and yards offensively. Uh, right now, 54.5 or 55 is the total. I'm going to go over there, Rams-Falcons, on that for uh, pick number two. Love it. Love it. Yes. Love it. Zach's on my side. Let's love go. It. I pull love, out the shekels. Pull out the shekels. I love the overs in Falcons games. You know, last week I did it, and that was the one that we hit. So let's go over once again with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I'm kind of torn here, Judah. This this Bears and this Saints game, I like the Bears minus three at home here. I think this defense is going to step up at home. I think the Saints are finally going to come back to earth. But I've changed my mind. I pulled a Judah. No. I've, I, I, I've done a last-minute change, and I'm just going to avoid that game. I mean, I'm, it's just not going to be one of my top three bets, but just so the public knows, I like the Bears minus three. Buy, buy the half point, get to two and a half in case they win by a field goal. I think it's worth it there. But I'm going to Monday Night Football, Judah. We got the New England Patriots on the road to the New York Jets. The New York Jets coming off that upset win against the Cowboys. They're very, very high right now. Sam Darnold is back from his mononucleosis, and he looked pretty good. And he was connecting once again with Robbie Anderson, his favorite target. I should have picked him up on fantasy. Oh. Thought about it, and I didn't. Ouch. So it's okay. It's okay. We got guys. But the Patriots, they've been so impressive this year. I cannot believe that they've started so well. Because in past years, you see the Patriots start slow in September, and then they start to crank it up. But the Patriots' defense is elite. They're a veteran group. Uh, It seems like these guys have just been playing together for years and years and years. And they have just great chemistry. And the New York Jets offense, yeah, they beat the Cowboys. But I really think the Cowboys are super suspect. They've lost three games in a row. I don't believe in the Cowboys. I don't believe in the Jets either. But I really believe in the New England Patriots. And I really believe in the New England Patriots. First quarter, minus two and a half. Let's say the Jets go down the field. and Two and a half is a big first quarter number. 
it it is a big first quarter number, but this is I just I can see it so clearly right now, Judah. All right. The the Jets are not going to go down and score a touchdown. That's the only way that they that the Patriots lose this first quarter bet is if the Jets somehow score a touchdown on their first drive of the game in the first quarter. If they even if they go down and kick a field goal, the Patriots are going to go and score a touchdown in the first quarter. They're going to do it. And then they're going to be up 7 to 3 at the end of the first quarter and they're going to cover two and a half. So New England Patriots minus two and a half first quarter. Book it with conviction. <laughs> They're absolutely going to do it in the uh, in the words of Big Z over mm-hmm. here. Big Z. I'll, I'm not. Afraid. I'll sniff a prime time. Uh, Philly plus three in Dallas. Ooh. I'll go ahead. I'll go there. I'll yeah, go I like there. it. Let's I keep like fading it. the boys yeah. while we can. Fading our boy Josiah as much as we can as well. <laughs> we the boys. Uh, and uh, yeah. Um, Fly Eagles fly on uh, on Sunday night. Philly plus the three. Not really a whole ton to break down here, other than divisional game. Yeah, uh, fading Dallas in a big spot in a primetime spot. Um, just don't like what I see from them. Banged up a little bit outside as well, and uh, I think Philly finds a way to to hang in this game. And Carson steps up in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And the last time they were on Sunday Night Football, heartbreaking loss, right? Wasn't that Sunday night against the Falcons? It was. Yeah, heartbreaker. Aguilar dropped the pass. Stone hands Aguilar, so hopefully he has better hands this game. But I agree. I like the Eagles. All right, Philly plus the three. So to wrap it up, Zach likes Minnesota laying two at Detroit. Tennessee laying two at home to the Chargers. New England laying two and a half first quarter at the Jets on Monday Night Football. I'll take the Raiders plus five at Green Bay. Rams-Falcons over 54 and a half. And Philly plus three Sunday Night Football at Dallas. Let's get back on the train. Let's get it, Judah. All right, there it is. Hey. Bet the game. Another edition. Episode four is in the books uh, on 750thegame.com. Been a busy, just to let everyone behind the curtain, been a busy week at the station. Mm-hmm. Been spy slamming jammed at the station this week. Um, but in the coming days and hopefully the next week, we will have a full distribution on all major platforms of this pod. So keep spreading the words. Keep telling your friends. Uh, keep finding us uh, on our social media, 750 the game at Zach Schlegel and at your Janubi. And we'll keep this train rolling. We'll see you guys next week. There it is. Catch the game.